Thank you, everyone. I'm talking to Chris McCarron today. He's the founder of GoGoChimp, a CRO agency that's worked with marketing OGs like Neil Patel and Noah Kagan. Chris, thank you for joining me. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. It's uh, You make me sound as if I know what I'm talking about, which is nice. Well, I hope so. so. If, uh, if you can work with Neil Patel <laughs> and Noah Kagan, I'm not sure they, they take much BS. So that's pretty exciting. For no, me. they don't. But uh, yeah, cool. So today I wanted to talk about CRO, particularly for, for indie products and, and SaaS founders. But before we get into it, I think the big thing that's probably on most people's mind when they hear GoGoChimp is, what is the story behind the name? It was... I guess the best analogy I can really give is with my, my first kid, Jack, we knew his name instantly. We knew he was going to be called Jack. First dog, it was Murphy, knew it was going to be Murphy. When my second son came along, we've tried so many different names. We called him so many different names. It took us a long time in order to come to a name. And it was really the same process for a business. You know yourself, there's so many domain names out there and so many businesses that are already registered. It was a matter of basically just trying umpteen different combinations of words and names and eventually came to Google Chimp. Oddly, though, at the same time, I was listening a lot to the gorillas, so I'm sure that probably had a an impact in it. But it's weird because some people really like the name and some people think it's a bit strange. So, yeah. Which camp are you in? Do you think it's a cool name or do you think it's slightly strange? I like it. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say something that was related to to speed or something like that. You're sort of cheering on a chip to bring you results faster. Like. No, I'm afraid. No, no, I'm afraid it was just um, <laughs> something that stumbled along and I thought, actually, that sounds pretty cool. And it was available. So. Yeah, well, very practical in the end. Cool. So turning to the to the topic at hand then. When people start thinking about conversion rate optimization, uh, I know from experience that it, it, it can be difficult to optimize things when you don't have much traffic, for example. So yes. what is your suggestion for people as to when is a product, say a, a SaaS landing page, actually ready for conversion rate optimization? It's ready pretty much immediately as long as you've got some form of traffic going there. The, the difference is that a lot of people will talk about, well, we, let's experiment with a different color button, for example, or something kind of trivial and small. And really, you're not going to see much of a difference if you've only got a small amount of traffic. Really, the changes that you need to make are have to be quite dramatic. So, for example, our homepage at the moment, we've got multiple different versions running at the moment. One's very boring. It's black with just kind of text that hasn't got much kind of emotional language in it. It's very straightforward. Then we've got a bright blue one. We've got cartoon chimps. We've got ones with emojis. Very dramatic, very different styles that we're experimenting with at the moment. You'll find that, yeah, there'll be quite a significant difference. I've got a client at the moment. It's uh, for it's basically a social media network for uh, IT companies and um, experimenting with call to actions with sticky bars. So the sticky bars are very dramatic in different styles, so different colors, different text, different color buttons, in combination of all those things. Even though they're getting relatively small amount of traffic, you're seeing there's quite a difference in the performance of each individual sticky bar. So I would say. To begin with, if you've got a small amount of traffic, go quite dramatic with your difference and how your landing page is designed. So short or long, etc. Is there like a minimum level of tracking 
traffic obviously it can't be three people <laughs> but but what no, would be the not. amount no of... yeah i mean ideally ideally you're really looking for i mean bare minimum maybe a thousand people per month but I, I think most people can probably achieve that relatively easily yeah and certainly if you're you're sending paid traffic at all then yes optimize fantastic as best you can if you could change one thing about the way that people are currently doing conversion rate optimization what would that be First of all, educate yourself on it. Um, obviously, if you're you're listening to this, that's great. But it's it's good to have just a ben- general basic understanding of how the process works, to understand how numbers work, particularly when it comes to data, and also to understand what's a good result and what's a bad result as well. And it's um, it's quite staggering the number of people that run businesses online, maybe an e-commerce business or maybe a SaaS business, and they just have absolutely no idea even how to, to work a website, much less, you know, they know, they've heard conversion rate optimization almost like a buzzword and something that they need, but they don't necessarily understand just the basics of it and why you're doing certain things. And I would say that's one place to start, another place to start is to make sure that you're collecting data from the very beginning and make sure that the data that you're collecting is trustworthy. The reason being that if you're to hire someone externally to come in or if you're even to look at, even to look to do any changes yourself, really the, the data really guides you. So gather as much data as possible and it's made quite easy actually through the use of like Google Analytics, which most websites tend to have anyway. Um, if you certainly make sure that you're you're tracking the correct goals, so you know what people are clicking on, the correct events, so how long people are on the page, etc. And also, there's other tools like Hotjar, which give you things like visitor recordings, that sort of thing. Yeah, fantastic. So, talking about doing it properly, then, where should you start in terms of improving conversion rate? So, how do you go about diagnosing an issue, for example? Well, if you're tracking goals correctly, you'll be able to look at your, your essentially your funnel and see where the biggest drop-offs are happening. So it might be that there's a large percentage of people that are actually clicking from your landing page through to perhaps your, your pricing page, and then suddenly there's a massive drop-off. Or the, maybe they're in the process of your checkout, and again, there's a drop-off and a substantial drop-off. So really, it's a matter of examining the data, looking at where most people are dropping off and then tackle that area first and really focus on that area as much as possible. When you see that there's a big dramatic hole or gap in the funnel there, how do you work out what is the particular cause of that drop-off? Well, one way is that you can um, survey people and you can interview people. It really depends on where it is that they're actually dropping off. If it's like in a checkout, for example, then are we doing ba- the basics? Are we? Do we have a cart abandonment, for example, th- in order to get people back into the funnel? If it's a pricing page, is are there issues with the page? Technical issues with the page? Are we following the best practices? Really, it's a matter of just kind of a general overview, just seeing okay, well, are they using the best practices? That sort of thing, and then going from there, really. One other extra thing is that I really need to point out that page speed is a killer. And I would say it's probably the number one thing that I have to tackle with most clients. And that has the biggest impact in general in terms of conversions. So again, there's free tools out there. There's tools such as GT Matrix, for example, 
which will very quickly um, tell you how quickly it is for in order to load your pages on your website and then also give you hints and tips on how to improve those and what are actually the issues that are causing it. Um, you can also use Google Lighthouse, which is a part of Google Chrome. And again, that will analyze your website and it will tell you if there's any issues such as, I mean, it's very common for websites, for example, to have maybe a very small image on the web page, but actually the browser is loading a gigantic image and that's causing problems. So yeah, quite often that's the case and that quite often fixes it actually. I would say for particularly for businesses with small amounts of traffic. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because maybe not always the technical aspects have been optimized properly, as you said. I mean, our best practices being no, very rarely. Yeah. Very rarely. And well I mean in gen- I mean there's a lot of themes out there that website that you can install on your website which look absolutely fantastic and actually use a lot of the best practices within conversion rate optimization. But, but they aren't optimized on a technical level. So, for example, in the code itself, it might be using, instead of a thumbnail for a thumbnail, it's using the full-size image and then shrinking it down so that if someone's on a mobile device, for example, and if you've got five or six images like that, then it's going to take them forever in order to download it. So, yeah, so that's one thing I would look at for certain is page speed. And again, Google Analytics will also tell you the average speed as well that it takes for people to download your website and if you want to get really nerdy about things you can also go by device and even web browser location etc actually there is it's a problem that um a potential client that nearly landed is facing at the moment going back to what you mentioned before about the surveys so assuming that we have best practices being followed pages optimized for speed if you had say you know an app of some kind, you find people landing on the on the homepage, but they're not going ahead to click to sign up, or in this case, how would you go about using surveys to diagnose this kind of problem? I think one of the, it's glossed over all the time. And quite often, if you visit a website for a conversionary optimization agency, it will explicitly say that we're not there in order to validate a product. We're there in order to enhance an existing product that has an existing customer base. And so the one thing that I would do is I would survey people, I would interview people, and I would make sure that there's actually a demand for what it is that you're offering. Because even if you've got the worst website in the world, it looks like something out of the 90s. um, If you have something that people want, then you'll get conversions. Like Midjourney is a perfect example. Midjourney, th- their website just breaks all the rules in terms of conversion rate optimization. But when you look at, but everyone wants it and everyone wants to use it. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, not only does I mean the button you can hardly see on the page because it just blends in with all the colors in the background, but you also then have to join Discord and then you have to go down through the whole process of that. Then you have to work out who the hell they use Discord and they still have millions of people using the app so first of all if i was using surveys i would survey people in order to make sure that what it is that you're offering is something that they want beyond that if you had yarging customers etc then i would look at okay well why did you why did you choose us why did you not choose us and really just get really understand the problems that they're trying to face and the problems that they're trying to tackle 
and then you can incorporate that within your copy. Another trick is to also re look at reviews of similar products or, or books within your industry. So for example, if you go to Amazon, you'll see, like, let's say, for example, you've got software for IT, then you can look at a number of reviews for IT, books in IT, and you can see, well, what's the common language and what, what the common terminology that people are using, what the the problems that they're facing they're trying to overcome, what are their likes and dislikes, etc. And again, you can start to incorporate that within your copy as well, and that can help to improve conversion rates. There's also various tools that you can have that you can run on your web pages and you can basically survey people as they're using your website. So if someone's going to click away, for example, from your pricing page, then it pops up and it says, Do, would you mind telling us why it is that you decided not to go with us today? So there's, there's many different ways of doing that. So you can do it in person, you can say, send surveys out by email to your existing customer base, many different ways of doing it. I hear you on the mid-journey thing because I I must admit I I felt like a dodo going to sign up for the thing. I was like, huh, what is it? <laughs> it wants me to use Discord. Is this where I go to sign up? But as you said, there was enough motivation there that I sort of pushed through. But what I'm interested to know is that I'm a fan of, of Hotjar and, and the different types of surveys that mm -hmm. they use, but I haven't mm -hmm. looked at it enough to know what are the different types of what are the different techniques of using those surveys properly? So you mentioned, for example, surveying the people who have converted to find out, you know, what interests mm -hmm. them and trying to incorporate that to to increase demand on the landing page. Yeah. Is there any other particular type of survey that, I mean, you find that you use 80% of the time? Yeah, for abandonment, for example, I mean, if someone's abandoning a website, well, why is it that you're abandoning? Because that'll very quickly tell you. I mean, again, a hot chart as well, you can... Also use visitor recordings. Okay, that's not surveys, but again, that will tell you if there's well, are there technical difficulties that people are facing. But yeah, I mean that that's one way of doing it. Um, again, I mean if if you're talking to people in person, and if people you're going to get a lot of rejection, even though even if there's a demand for your product, you're still going to get a lot of rejection, and it's worth following up that rejection and saying, well, why is it that you felt that our product wasn't going to solve the problem that you're you're hoping to solve or why do you feel it's not for you and then um, again I mean you will eventually find that there'll be common patterns there and again there'll be things that you can then hopefully resolve through the design of your website through the copy of your website was incorporated on the page and um, but in general it, it usually comes down to do people trust you I would say well, it's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> if we talk about surveying people in person or questioning people in person, are you able to talk us through an example of where you did this for a for a software product where you put together a particular program to work out what the problem was? Yeah, well, it, it doesn't tend to be me that actually surveys them because quite often they'll have sales teams. So right. it'll be a matter of me then talking to the sales teams and then saying, look, what are the common objections that you're, you're constantly facing? Why are people not going with this product? That's really usually where I come in because, again, because I, I deal with conversionary optimization, I'm most interested in companies that have existing customer base. Certainly, I mean, send out plenty of surveys in order to survey existing customers, as well as, I mean, quite often there'll be companies that will be building up an email list, and not all the entire email list is going to be comprised of people that are 
our customers. There's going to be a lot of people, for instance, that are signing up through blogs, etc. A bit like your Substack, for example. And um, again, well, why is it that you haven't converted? And again, just questioning them. Um, you can use Google Forms, for example, and you can. And if you're struggling to come up with any questions, then um, there's plenty of guides out there online that will give you pretty solid questions to ask. Yeah, that there's it, looking at it, there seems to be quite a lot of posts out there about like top ten questions for customer survey for X, Y, Z. Is that what you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, got it. Th- there's plenty of them from from existing because I mean, there's I mean, there's professionals that deal in surveys, you know, every single day of the week. So again, there's there's plenty of guidance out there that will help you in order to ask solid questions about what it is that they want and to be quite humble about what comes back as well and hopefully if it's a product problem then that's one thing if it's a matter of well we didn't trust your website then you can look at well okay why is it that you didn't trust the website why is it that you didn't trust the brand why is it you didn't trust the product itself as well so just before getting into trust you also mentioned the um heat Hmm. maps what are you looking for in a heat map yeah well heat maps are are somewhat useful the problem is that it's it doesn't use eye tracking which means that yeah a lot of conversion rate optimization is about guiding the person to look at specific things and helping them in order to uh, complete an action and the problem with a lot of heat maps are that it will only show you what you're kind of hovering your mouse over opposed to what it is that you're actually looking at so I would take that with a slight pinch of salt, but the key things that it can help you with is it can give you a heat map on what it is that people are actually clicking on. So very quickly, visually, you can tell, instead of you having to go through the data and go through Google Analytics, visually you can see very clearly what it is that people are clicking on, which can be very useful. And the other thing as well is it tells you how far people scroll down the page. So if you've got your best, if people aren't scrolling down, then you know, well, okay, we've got a problem here. Again, it can also help you in order to position your your main calls to action. So if 50% are going maybe a third down the page, then perhaps that's where your second call to action should be, that sort of thing. Mm. And visitor recordings, um, which again, Hotjar offer, and in fact, many many, uh, tools out there that offer heat maps also do visitor recordings. Again, a lot of them can be junk. It'll be people that are maybe on the web page for five seconds. Well, that's not much use to us. Really, we're looking for people that are on the page maybe 30 seconds or longer. As you watch them, again, you'll probably find that there'll be people smashing buttons, maybe out of frustration, or maybe it's incredibly slow to load. There can be many different things that are happening. There may be technical problems, that sort of thing. So looking at a heat map or a screen recording and you see people mm-hmm. not convert but browse certain areas of the website and, and look at particular types of content, what sort of insights are you looking to draw out of these types of recordings? Well, if they're looking at what it is that you want them to look at and they're go- why is it that they're not completing that action? And you're trying to basically understand that as best as possible or understand where kind of weak areas are on your web page. The most important area of your web page, though, is what's called above the fold. And that's the area when someone 
first arrives to a website, that's what they see on the page. And um, recent studies have found, and this is really, really scary, that we have a worst attention span, worse attention span than a goldfish, if you can believe it, which is absolutely terrifying for me. And so you literally have seconds in order to capture someone's interest. You have to tell them what it is that you're offering, why they need it, and how to act as well. And also, you above the fold, you're also trying to incorporate a lot of trust, which I know we're going to talk about later. But So I would first of all focus on that area, and if you're using heat maps, well, are they clicking on the call to action, for example? That's number one. Second, are they, are they clicking on maybe things like social media links in, in the header? Are they, are they going to strange web pages? Are they clicking out of frustration? Maybe they're clicking on the button and damn thing doesn't work. You might have visitor recordings. I alluded to someone earlier, a really massive company and also influencers in the design space. Anyway, um, it turned out they, they, their add to cart button for their um their their products wasn't on the page for example they had no idea so again it's you know you can there are many surprises and also you might find that people on certain browsers the website looks completely wonky or it looks completely completely unlike what it does perhaps on the browser that you're using again there'll be different technical things as well as yeah just in general insights and in how people are using your website i I uh, hope I'm not alone, but I have seen this quite a few times where you look at the the user recordings and you're like, oh, no, something really important doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope you're, I hope I'm not the only one, but I, I do know what you mean there. Yeah. Well, I mean, taking that, that, that company as an example, again, I just did a general speed test. I know we talked about speed earlier. I did a general speed test. The website was unbearably slow to load. They weren't even doing the general best practices that you would have. But beyond that, they had issues with their SSL certificate for the website, which is a little padlock you get in HTTPS. And it turns out that the majority of browsers don't trust the website and don't trust the certificate, so they're not showing the website. So that's automatically going to kill conversions, and um, I believe it's still not been resolved. Oh, crazy. Yeah, that's... um. And that's a big company. Yeah. Gosh, what an opportunity! I, I, I was, uh, I'm surprised to hear that people. I thought SSL was the standard, you know, since five years. Yeah, 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 yeah. And th they've got a, a big design company in um, California. They do like Xbox branding and that sort of thing. Their website was down for days Oof. because their SSL certificate expired and was neither raised nor lowered. Oh dear! So, oh dear. Yeah, so that there are general problems. You because even if you're using something like Hotjar, if you're looking at Google Analytics, you'll see a sudden drop off in traffic, and again, that will alert you to perhaps something that you're not aware of. Yeah, I mean, what a disaster! That would must hurt all your advertising efforts as well. Of course. Coming back to what you said earlier about looking at at user behavior and seeing the parts that they're reading. Could you then use, so say you see users scroll down the page and they're reading the second paragraph from the top, is the idea then to use that information to say, hey, well, if we want them to go down further or convert more, this is the area that we need to put the juicy information or is this a little bit different to what you're suggesting? Yeah, again, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, you can't track what it is that they're specifically looking at. You, you you only know this general area is somewhere that 
majority of people are coming to. Uh, they're, they're scrolling down to, so it might be like 75% or 50%. And yeah, it tends to be a hierarchy of basically the most important thing at the very top above the fold, then the second most important thing, the third most important thing, etc. If you're finding that most people aren't reaching the bottom, for example, then it probably means that well, it's either that your call to action is really good and you've got a high percentage of people actually clicking on it, or it means that people are just giving up on the website and they're not actually scanning their way through it, through the content. And so you might say, well, okay, let's make this landing page a little bit shorter, for example. Or you might have visual cues as well. I mean, it might be something as simple as people think they've reached the bottom when in actual fact, no, they haven't. Um, so there might be visual cues that you can use in order to say, no, there's more information come as you scroll down. Interesting. I've heard that's if you put like a big black box as an example, is this an example of this? Yes, exactly. Yeah, they think that's the footer of the page. Exactly. Yeah. So you might have other, you might have other visual cues, or you might change the background color for that section, that sort of thing. Got it. Makes sense. Coming to trust, what are some typical ways that you see that? apart from a, a, a bung SSL certificate, but what are some typical yeah, ways sure. that you see that uh, trust is not being properly communicated on the site and affecting conversion rate? Well, with particularly with SaaS companies, it's, well, do you have customer reviews? Are they prominently in place? Can people can people trust the reviews themselves? So again, are you, other, um, you can use Yopo or there's various other kind of review kind of widgets and tools and platforms that you can use, So, which people generally believe in and trust. Um, so I would, are you incorporating that? Have you got the kind of general star ratings? Have you got testimonials? And also when it comes to testimonials, are you using a real picture of someone or are you not using a picture it tends to be that most people when they're using testimonials don't have a picture of the person. In general, conversion rates are higher when the testimonial has the actual profile image of the person. So are you using that? Does the testimonial tell a story? So what was the problem that they were facing? What did they try? And what? how did they come to you? And basically, how did you end up resolving the problem that they're facing? So almost kind of like a mini story that you're looking for and as detailed as possible. And again, where have you been featured? Are there logos that you, if you've been featured in the New York Times, then are you prominently displaying the fact that you were featured in the New York Times or various other kind of media outlets out there? And as you gain trust, um, incorporate as much of that trust uh, sorry, as you gain more reviews, as you gain more testimonials, as you gain more everything, case studies, etc., and um, make sure that you have them on your landing pages, make sure that you incorporate it within your, your website as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, put a big disclaimer here saying not legal advice, but what's your view on using um, media logos, you know, for the featured in or have been seen in? I mean, is it, if you have been in a media profile, mm -hmm. It's free to go. Or I would, yeah. I mean, I, I would put that above the fold as much if possible. If you can fit it in above the fold along the bottom, because again, you're trying to incorporate as much information as possible. So, if you've got, for example, if you've been featured in four or five different publications, then have it have the logos below that featured we've been featured in or etc. 
And then also maybe in the top right hand side, then you could have maybe like your average star rating, maybe on Crunchbase or whatever it might be, that sort of thing. And just trying to incorporate as much trust there as possible. Bizarrely, other things that in, that give you trust are: are you do you have a phone number on the web page? It's staggering the number of people that don't want their phone num- the business phone number on their their landing page in case they get you know crank calls or whatever or salespeople, but it's important that people can trust your business, that you are a real business and a business that they can contact. Are you, have you got a live chat functionality? Um, again, you know, are they going to be talking to a real person? So, which again further establishes that they can trust that you are a real business. Have you got your your business location at the bottom of the, the landing page and maybe in the footer area with your address? So there's many different ways and many different forms of trust. There's also technical aspects as well. Like I, I forget the stats off the top of my head, but they basically found that there was a direct correlation between people's trust and how long your web page takes to load. And so the longer the, the web page took to load, didn't didn't trust the business, then they didn't end up converting. And there was a direct correlation there and quite a strong correlation. So Again, are you quick to is your web page quick to load or your land page quick to load? Also, yeah, I mean, there's many different things, SSL certificates, that's all. And again, logos as well for antivirus software. Again, that again can help with trust. So many different forms of trust. I I hear what you mean on the um on the page speed being a sign of trust because you you always feel iffy about mm-hmm. if someone sent you a link, hey, check this out, you'll love mm-hmm. it, and you click the link and it loads slow. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I break out in a sweat thinking, oh, no, I probably shouldn't have clicked that. Um, (laughs) That may be what you're talking about there. Yeah. But going back to the example from before, I mean, if you were, this company has 4 million YouTube subscribers. And so if if you've been following them, if you've built, trust with your, your with um the the company i'm trying to avoid as much information as possible without giving it away who it is but then if you were to click through to the website and it didn't load and it was coming up we don't trust this website then any trust that was built over the previous few months or weeks or days is completely lost and there's absolutely no way that they're going to end up converting so yeah i mean technical aspects are really important as well as what's actually displayed on the page as well yeah I mean, it's a tragedy. So once you've done all these investigations, you're using, you know, PageSpeed tools to work out if there are any errors there. You probably look in at GA to see if there are any device errors, anything like this, and and surveys and talking to salespeople, checking the SSL. Mm-hmm. How do you organize this into a cohesive conversion rate optimization program? Are you just going through it based on judgment or no? Sure. Well, no. As you go through it, you'll the if there's something glaringly obvious and something that's you know very important in order to fix, for example, an SSL certificate, then obviously that's number one priority. It's just a matter of prioritizing the list based on well, what's instantly having an impact impact on people, and um, are there any technical issues that we can solve very very quickly? And then it's a matter of okay, well, are they following the best practices? Uh, which best practices are missing, and then yeah, we usually submit that then to the client in the form of conversion rate audit. You tends to be quite an extensive report, along with um, yeah data such as heat maps, etc., 
as well as links to various visitor recordings that maybe highlight various issues or frustrations and has general kind of guidance on basically the next steps that need to be taken and, and things and hypothesis on what we should tackle next. So, for example, it might be the, the pricing page tends to be that people have like the free option for a SaaS product on the left-hand side and then they have like the mid-range kind of price product and then the most expensive product. Well, actually, tend to find that actually if you reverse that, then your conversion rate will be higher because we tend to read left to right. So there's certain things like that that we would be basically trying to put forward to the client. This may be a, an obvious question, but do you try to prioritize larger projects over larger changes over smaller changes or it doesn't really make a difference? So for example, like a very obvious small change, would that become a higher priority than a questionable large change or vice versa? It's really a matter of well, where's the drop off happening, and then we're, and then trying to understand basically why the drop off is happening, and then that's the thing that gets the priority. So if it's a matter of people aren't clicking on the call to action, then first of all look at the call to action and say, okay, well, what's the problem here? Is it very clear? Is the language clear? For example, I mean that's a major thing. People tend to get quite nerdy and kind of geeky and we all live in a professional bubble and basically as I'm reading the call to action I'm asking myself do I understand this and quite often with clients when I'm looking at their landing page and looking at their call to action I don't understand it I don't actually instantly know what it is that they're offering that's one kind of I would say above the fold call to actions are kind of the primary things that I tend to look at first and then it's a matter of looking at other things on top of that. And it tends to be a call to action is quite a small kind of, I, mean, I guess you could say quite a small thing, but also an incredibly important thing. So ultimately, is is the list prioritized, obviously in order of impact, but categorized, if you will, by you know stage of the funnel or, or which part of the user journey so that you can say yeah. this part of the user journey has the biggest pain. And here are the highest priority, would yeah, that be right? exactly. And are you doing the basics and are you doing the basics well? So, for example, if the biggest drop-off is happening during the checkout process, well, okay, well, number one, do you have a cart abandonment sequence? If you don't, then that's going to have a massive impact on the number of people that are abandoning. Know that instantly. Again, a big thing would be, are there technical problems here? And then below that, you would be saying, well, do I trust this checkout? Other things that additional things that we can add to the checkout. So, for example, you quite often see SaaS products maybe on the right hand side that will have then many testimonials with profile pictures, that sort of thing. Are there too many fields being used in the checkout? Because the more fields you have, um, the lower your conversion rate is going to be. So, again, it's looking at best practices, looking at just kind of the general basics of of conversion rate optimization, are they being followed and then incorporating that and working on that first. And then you might find that other changes have slight increases or decreases, I should add, as well. Got it. Am I understanding it correctly that you would look at best practices first because there's less risk involved here rather than you know play around? As well as that they'll they'll they will have the biggest impact. Mm. Yeah. I mean just general best practices will have the biggest impact by far. Yeah, I would say that's the number one thing. Thinking of uh, competitors, reviewing competitors, what role does competitor research play in improving your own conversion rates? 
Oh, it's, it's very important, um, particularly if you're getting started and there's big players out there. You'll find that all the big players will have optimised every aspect of their website. They'll have optimised their, their call to action, the, the buttons on the page, the positioning, the length of the page. They'll have gone through that process, that very lengthy and very expensive process already. And you'll find that, I mean, if you take maybe like 10 different competitors, top competitors, then you'll find that there's there's common things that they do. There might be certain things that you like and certain things you dislike. And as you begin to look at them, try and understand as best you can why they've done certain things in, in a particular way. And then look at, well, are we doing it? And there's a ways that we can then incorporate some of this into our own. Now, I'm not saying plagiarism, but you'll find that a bit like chat GPT, a bit like that where it kind of takes like, you know, dozens of different articles and then pieces them together to create something original. The same principles apply for a landing page. So if you're looking at all different websites, there may be certain things you like, dislike, but more importantly, why are they doing it? And you start incorporating that into your own landing page, you'll come up with something that's completely unique for your own brand. But more importantly, you're hitting the ground running because you know that what you're incorporating has a good chance of having an improvement on your conversion rates. Got it. Second last question just before we go. Based on what you've said today, how would you wrap this in? To uh, if you had to give someone a, a, an MVP of a CRO process that they could take away and try themselves, what would you say are the the steps that would be involved? The first thing I would do is I would research the language that your customers are using. That's number one. And try and understand their likes and dislikes. It really comes down to the offer and it really comes down to the clarity of your message. And when you're writing your call to actions and when you're writing any text on your landing pages because text I would say has the number one impact on conversions as you're doing that be very objective and say so what why should I care do it don't be hyperbolic and at the same time use the same language and terminology that customers use that's really important it's called the mirroring technique and a lot of salespeople use it for example, if you, Ben, were to say super all the time, that's super nice and super great, then if I use the same language as you, then you will, from a psychological standpoint, feel as if you have a stronger connection to me. And the same principles apply to copywriting and same principles apply to conversion rate optimization. Again, the images that I'm using, does it reflect my customers? So reflect your customers, form a connection with them, and make it really easy for people to understand at a glance what it is that you're offering and really why they need it. That's the number one. And I would experiment with that. There's plenty of software out there that you can run A-B tests. Uh, Google Optimize, which will be sunsetted at some point later this year. However, that will enable you in order to have multiple different versions of your website running. And it's a matter of double-clicking on a bit of text and you can change it there and then and it'll run the experiment for you automatically and see if what kind of impact that has on conversions. And again, focus on trust. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame that they're sunsetting that, but um, hopefully something good will come in its place. Well, they've alluded to something that is perhaps going to be coming later this year for Google Analytics 4. So yes, hopefully, and hopefully they'll make some improvements because there are some weaknesses with it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in what direction. But there, there are other tools out there. I mean, there's tools like Optimizely, for example. 
which get pricey. But yeah, it's a shame that Google optimized sorry, the score. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about you, but I'm not a massive fan of Google Analytics 4 yet, but I feel like no. uh, you have to get into it, uh, unfortunately. No, I'm not a big fan either. I much prefer the, the previous version. Um, so much easier in order to get quite near do with the data, and I think they've kind of oversimplified some things in Google Analytics 4. I'm guessing they have some theory that they want to push everything to event-based so that you can collate your own reports. But for the average user, yeah. it seems far too technical. The, the sure. things that the reports that I have created, I mean, have been pretty basic, but I don't imagine a lot of people are creating their own reports yet in GA4. No, I wouldn't have thought so either. No, I think most people probably in general just look at it in order to see how many people have visited the website. And there's probably a lot of people that just don't get an with data because like for either frightened by numbers or, or find it boring or various different reasons. But yeah. as I said earlier, I mean, it's staggering the number of people that own online businesses that just absolutely have no idea about how their website operates. Mm. And I mean, if you take that into consideration, the, the cost and expense of all the different freelancers that you're having to hire in order to maintain and run your business because you don't understand how it works and how it runs. And then you can't have a sensible conversation with anyone or make a sound judgment about what you need to do next in order to improve your business online. Yeah. It's just um, it's staggering. Very unfortunate. For people who want to connect with you and learn more, where should they go? Sure. Well, you can go to the Google Chimp website. We've got a ton of articles on conversion rate optimization that get really nerdy about also the psychology of users and color psychology, that sort of thing. There's LinkedIn as well and uh, youtube i've got a youtube channel as well i've had a look at your youtube channel the production quality is very nice i have to say um really so yeah I'll... oh thank you very much <laughs> you're a gentleman thank I you i'll put the links to all of those in the show notes otherwise chris thank you so much thank you very much ben you're a gentleman thank you 